Romans. Romans chapter 1 is where we are. Last week, um, Paul opened this letter to the Romans. He introduced himself and uh, he reflected on the gospel, the good news, the story that God loves us and he sent Jesus, his son, to die for us. That is the focus of the letter. Romans is a gospel letter. Now, as I've told you before, it's Paul introducing himself to this church in Rome. He had nothing to do with its founding, but their reputation was well known, as we'll see in just a minute. And so he is reflecting over his beliefs. He's reflecting over what is orthodox Christianity for us now. But he's telling this church who he is. Because before we finish, we're going to find out there's an ulterior motive. This church, he wants to come to them. He wants to encourage them. We'll see that today. He wants to have a a harvest among them. We'll see that today for the purpose of the continual spread of the gospel. So all of this is purposeful, but in all that, there's some things for us to learn. So Romans chapter 1, I want you to begin there with me today at verse 8. So if you would open your Bibles, Romans chapter 1 verse 8. There the Bible says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. And this is, this is how we know they had such a great reputation. Because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Now let me just pause. We know that outside the Roman Empire there was a world not yet touched by the Romans, not yet touched by the apostles. But what we do know without any doubt is that wherever there were Christians, there were people talking about that church in Rome. There were people talking about those Roman believers and what they were doing. So he says, I'm thankful for you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow... By God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented. That, Paul was praying he could go to Rome, but to this point... He had been prevented. Now, this is not the topic of the sermon, but when we pray, we usually get one of three answers. Yes, no, or wait. And so up until this point, for God, it had been wait. But he tells us why. In order that, this is why I want to come. This is why I've wanted to come. In order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. And Paul says, I'm under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. So I'm eager, here it is again, to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Now, I've got two points to make, and some of you go, oh, goody, goody, we're really going to get out early today. But there may be just a little bit more in there. So um, the first thing, though, that really stands out to me is Paul's thanksgiving. He said, I thank my God. Now, it is a little bit early for us on a Sunday, but let me give you your Greek lesson for the day. The word that he uses for thanks is a present active indicative. And why does that matter? Well, the present tense means that it goes on 
and on and on. And so what Paul is saying to the church at Rome is that I regularly pray for you. It is not an unusual thing for me to pray for you, dear church in Rome. Always, 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 when I go before the Father, I am praying for you. And the indicative mood, that's the mood of assertion. It's the, it's the writer saying something really has happened. It's not what could be, it's what is. And so Paul says, I really do. I mean, you know, preachers sometimes have to convince you, really, really. I really do regularly pray for you in Rome. And he's thankful. Now, here's what I want to say just very quickly. Have you thanked God lately for something specific? Now, let me just tell you how important this was for Paul. He says, the first thing I do, first, I thank God for you. It is so overwhelming. He never gets to number two and number three. That's how preachers get off track and chase rabbits. I'm just telling you. He, he says first, and then he never gets to number two. Now, let me. You and I may be guilty of not having this first on our list. Have we thanked God lately? I mean, really stopped and said, thank you, Lord. Now, I, I'll just tell you. I'm guilty of taking so much for granted. So if you got that little piece of paper or something to jot down something on, I want you, I'm going to give you about 10 seconds, write down something you're thankful for today. Just, just think. For some of you, it may be the ability to be here. Could be family, could be this church. Could be a job to go to tomorrow. Could be the fact that you're going to get home early and you can take a nap today. It may be for air conditioning. It may be somebody said a kind word to you on the way. What are you thankful for? Now, we have a plethora of things to choose from. So what are you thankful for? Jot it down. Why? Because I'm reminded this week that is biblical and it is God honoring. And we don't always do that. Let, let me give you some passages. Psalm 92 verse 1 says, it is good to give thanks to the Lord. That can't be much clearer, can it? <laughs> it's a good thing to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High. It's good to give thanks. So don't forget to give thanks to the Lord. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Paul was writing to that church in the city of Colossae. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And then just very quick, and be thankful. And be thankful. And be thankful. Are you thankful? You have something to be thankful for. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 50. We don't know who wrote Hebrews. Some people say Paul did. A lot of folks say that he didn't. But whoever wrote it, it was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through him then let us continually offer up sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. What a wonderful description. What are you thankful for today? Let me encourage you, if you didn't grab a piece of paper and you didn't write something down, don't let the sun set today before you tell the Lord what you are thankful for. It's a wonderful example for us here in Romans. But now Paul does uh, move on and he tells us what he's thankful for. He's thankful for the church, but even more specifically, he, he, here's a word for He's thankful for their faith. 
Specifically, he says, I'm thankful for your faith. Now, there's a few things I want you to remember about faith. Number one, it's the means of salvation. Faith is the means of salvation. You know, according to Ephesians chapter 2, that it is by grace, what? Through faith, that we are saved. Faith, though, is that word that he says he's thankful for in the church at Rome. So faith, the word, when you place your faith, your trust, when you... Rely upon the Lord Jesus. That is saving faith. Now hear me. It is not enough ever. It is never, ever, ever enough to simply believe things about the Lord. That's where a lot of folks get confused. Oh, I believe. Your belief has got to transfer to trust. Because it is by grace through faith. It is the, the means of salvation. You've got to place, you've got to take that belief and change it into trust and reliance upon. Acts chapter 16, verse 31. There the Bible says, and they said, who said? Those that were preaching. They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. It's the same word, believe and trust. It is a word in the Bible that, that is an action. It's more than just a thought. And so the Bible makes clear that it's a means of salvation. This word has always meant more than the, our English word believe. Now, we just read that English translation. But really, when we hear the word believe, we think mental, don't we? Oh, I believe that. You know, can, can you believe that I heard this? Oh, I believe that. Can you believe this is what they said? Can you And a lot of times we will limit faith to that mental aspect. But let me give you a little bit of theology. Wayne Grudem, in his systematic theology, explains faith and belief this way. We can believe something to be true with no personal commitment or dependence involved in it. And that's the problem. Faith was never meant to stop at mere mental assent. Faith always has to be placed in something, put on something. I have pulled up to the front this morning this friend of mine. Y'all see this little lovely thing? When I pulled that up, Ashley looked at me like I had done something wrong, like my back has gone out. I promise I'm in good shape. I don't need it today, but here's the illustration. For weeks, months, I placed my faith in this chair. And you say, well, not really. Well, yeah, I did. Because every Sunday morning, it would get pulled up here. And I would just sit down on it without ever thinking about it. I did not examine to see if Brad had cut one of these legs. I didn't turn it over to look and see if somebody had uh, disassembled this seat that it's going to slip out. So, listen, I can believe, and many of you have heard this for 100 years. You can believe something here. It is not faith, though until you absolutely place your trust in that. So I just exercised faith by placing my trust in this chair. Now here's the deal. Your faith is only as strong as that which you place your faith in. Now this was not a big deal for me. If I had fallen this far, I'd probably be sore. 
But it would not be a huge deal. But I'm telling you what, if you place your faith in something other than the Lord Jesus for your way of salvation, you're in a world of hurt. You're going to be beyond what rest can do for you or what medicine can do for you. And so I have placed my faith and my trust in that chair in that way. And that is what is behind Paul talking about their faith. It was their means of salvation. So saving faith is when I place my trust for my life, my salvation, my eternity, my all in all. Saving faith is when I rest in, fall on, and stand in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's an old Greek work, uh, W-U-E-S-T. When you look at this word for faith in that old word study, it says we are considering Jesus worthy of trust. And then we act by placing our confidence in him to do what he said he will do. We entrust our salvation to the Lord. We take our own keeping out of our hands and entrust our keeping to the Lord Jesus. Faith is the means of salvation, but also it is a measure of our standing. Not just a means of salvation, but a measure of our standing. This comment by Paul is not just about their saving faith, but also their standing in faith. That is, he's thankful for how much faith they have. It's a comment about their changed life, their changed way of thinking. Their faith was such that it was no longer just that which brought about salvation, but their faith was such that it began to define the church. That was what people were talking about. They were a church of such great faith that people outside the church, people outside Rome were talking about how full of faith that church was. Now, I just wonder, dear Gilamites, is that something that is said about this church? Because, see, the issue is never that you and I just learn about all these great churches in the New Testament. We're still a portion of the church. We're a part of the church. We're a local expression of the church. We are Gillum Springs Baptist Church. Is it said of us that we have great faith? Do we live by and demonstrate to not only ourselves but the world that we have a great faith? Now you could look at some things and say, well, sure, we, we, we demonstrate great faith. Some people thought having an Easter service at the stadium was the dumbest thing ever. And some people could say, well, that took great faith. Well, it took great faith in a lot of sunscreen. Some people may say starting three services took faith, and it did. We, we didn't know if this would be a disaster or what. Some people would say building a building takes faith. And it does. Some people would say helping to start churches wherever we've done that. Whether it's Wyoming or New York or somewhere in Africa. Or strengthening churches in Haiti. It takes faith. But here, this is what I want you to understand. Really and truly up to this point. I, I don't yet know if we've exhibited great faith. And this is what I want you to hear. If we only ever undertake what we think we can accomplish, we aren't yet demonstrating faith. Because I'm telling you, the faith that people are going to talk about is when you step out and you really accomplish, 
Undertake before you accomplish. Undertake something you know you can't do. That's faith. If we only ever undertake what we think we can accomplish, we're not demonstrating faith. That's true for us individually. His message is to the church, but you and I are the church. So it's not just true for us corporately. What are you doing in your life that demonstrates faith in God? If we never take on a giant, we've not demonstrated faith. If we never get out of the boat, we're not demonstrating faith. And listen, our faith is the means of standing. It is the measure of our standing, but it is also meant to be shared. I hope you know that about faith. It's meant to be shared. Y'all know we share a lot of things. I, I forgot my container of mints, but the mints that I use have two openings in the container. One is for me. It's a little bitty opening. You can shake out one mint. On the other side, and I, I should have brought it. You open a whole half the container and it says, for sharing. Like, you know, if somebody offers you a mint, y'all do know, just take it, right? They're trying to tell you something. We share a lot of things. We live in a world now that shares through social media, we share everything. Did y'all know that? And I'm not being critical of anything. I'm just telling you things that I've seen shared lately. Whenever people go to the coast, they feel the need to share a picture of their feet in the sand. Just to hack off those of us that are not there, I guess. We, we share meals that we are eating. Oh, don't take a bite. Let me take a picture. We share pictures of our kids' accomplishment, current frustrations. We share what we're looking for. Have y'all found that? Looking for plumber, looking for somebody to do this. Ready, go. And everybody starts sharing. We live in a culture that is accustomed to sharing. So let me remind you, our faith is not meant to be something about which we are silent. Our faith is a means of salvation. It's the measure of our standing, but it is meant to be shared. Just as Paul said others were discussing the church in Rome, he goes on to share what it is that he desires. He says he's eager. That word means to be willing, to be ready, to be inclined, to be predisposed. He's eager to do what? To share the gospel. He says he's under obligation. It means he has a duty. He has an assignment. It was something he was obliged to do. Some translations say, I'm a debtor. That means he's obligated. It means he's got to do it. He's obligated and he's eager to preach the gospel. And so next week we're going to find out not only is he obligated and is he eager, but he's not ashamed to share the gospel. And he tells us who he's going to share it with. He says, I've got to share it with the Greeks and the barbarians. Who are they? Well, the Greeks are the ones that are refined. The Greeks are the ones who are civilized and cultured. The Greeks are the ones that we see as having made it. They're the ones that we identify with. They're like us or just a step above us. So we got to share the gospel with the Greeks. But then he also says the barbarians. Who are they? Well, they're the ones that are rude and rough and backward and boorish. So there are those that we identify with. There are those that we avoid. But we got to share it with all of them. The wise and the foolish. Those that are smart and not so smart. Why? Because the gospel's for everybody. 
So, so what's the big deal? Well, here's some questions. Are you a person of faith? By that I mean, have you moved from where you believe in your head to you believe in your heart? Do you no longer just understand all this about God and Jesus, but you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? Have you been saved? Here's the next question. Is your faith, is my faith, is our faith such that others notice and discuss it? And Paul says, I'm eager and I'm obligated to share the gospel. Have you shared your faith recently? All of that is in his prayers, but then, uh, excuse me, his thanksgiving, but then notice with me his prayers. He said, I've been praying. Did y'all see that? Anybody see that? Yeah, thank you. It's gonna get, I don't mind waiting a little bit. He says, I've been praying, I've been praying. So what can we learn about prayer? Well, prayer is simply communion with God. I know many of you know that, but for some of you, it may be new to you. It's a conversation with God. Now, in Scripture, the word that he uses here is a, is a combination word. It's, it's a compound word where he takes the word toward and to pray. And so what Paul literally says is that prayer is always immediately toward me. He says, I'm regularly praying, I'm always praying, and I'm praying, making my request to God. Now, he tells us what he's praying for. He's praying that he'll have success in visiting them. He's praying that he might strengthen them. He's praying that they might all be encouraged. And so I want you to understand what prayer is. As I said, it's a conversation with, it's a communion with God. It can be as simple as if you're talking to someone right next to you. And the reason why it can be that simple is because you're talking to someone who's right here with you. Far too often, we, we make prayer something that must be formal, something in which we must use big churchy words. Friend, I want to tell you, there's nothing further from the truth. Prayer is like talking to your father, like talking to your dad, like talking with someone that you are very comfortable with. And prayer has always been significant in the ministry of Paul. He, he, he uses this particular topic in almost every letter that he writes. Just a few examples. In Ephesians 3, he, he's praying for the church at Ephesus that they would be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit. That they would be rooted and grounded in love to know the love of Christ. That's a great prayer. He, he prayed uh, or he wrote to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 1. He says, I'm praying that love may abound with you all with knowledge and discernment. Have you ever needed knowledge or discernment? You have. If you haven't yet, you soon will. So it's a great prayer. In, in Colossians chapter 1, he says, I'm praying for you all to be filled with the knowledge of God's will so we can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, he wrote and said, 
I'm praying that we may be worthy of God's calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. Why? So the name of Jesus may be glorified in you. That's a great prayer. What do you pray about? What is it that you've been carrying to the throne recently? Are you praying regularly? I have some suggestions for you. I I began to pray about what to share And so uh, I just had this idea that I would remind you of some things to pray about. So the first thing I want to show you is an upward prayer. If you ever want to know what you can pray about, here's some things that you can pray. And I've made it an acrostic end to pray. So for an upward prayer, first off, you need to pause. That means you need to stop everything that you think is more important than prayer. And you need to pray. You're going to have to stop. Now, that's going to take you just a a second or two. And we live in such a day, and we are such a culture, that we believe everything is so important. The tyranny of the urgent is one of our greatest challenges. Because everything in our life is urgent. And if we pause for just a minute, we're such a people now, we'll grab our phone to see what's happened in the last 30 seconds. So pause. Just take a few minutes. Pause. And then a wonderful thing to do in prayer is to repent. Why? Because probably you've sinned before you last pause to talk to the Lord. And you say, well, not me. Well, there's pride, so you just sinned. So nanny boo boo. Here's a great thing to remember in an upward prayer. And by that I mean when we're just contemplating upward uh, towards the Lord. Pause and repent. And then if you want to know what to do, just adore the Lord. Tell God how much you love him. You know what you just wrote down you're thankful for? Tell him you're thankful for that. Lord, I love you because you're faithful. I love you because you're kind. I love you because you're patient with me. There are so many things we can adore about the Lord. If you'll pause for just a minute, get your heart right with him, begin to adore him, and then yield. Now, if you had not had driver's ed in a while, Yield is one of them little triangle signs where you're supposed to stop and let the others go and have their way. When we yield to God, we're saying, I yield my way, my wants, my wishes to you, Lord. That's a great prayer that is upward. How about a prayer that is inward? How can you pray an inward prayer? Ask the Lord to help you with your plans. What is it that you're planning? Uh, everybody's planning something. Well, we've got plans for the rest of the day. We've got plans for this week. We've got plans for almost every minute of every day. Do those plans line up with God? Because see, in prayer, you're going to find out if they do. Not just plans are, did I give you the wrong thing? What does that say? Passion. I put plans in my note. I sent you the wrong thing. That's a great point. What are you passionate about? Because <laughs> if you're passionate about the right thing, you'll have the right plans. How about that? <laughs> How about your response? How do you respond to God? How should you respond to certain things in life? Anything ever caught you off guard in life? How do you respond? What's your attitude towards things, towards people, towards events? 
And here's a good one, yearnings. What is it you're yearning for? What, what is it that your soul is aching for? Is it something that is inward? Should it be upward? Should it be outward? What are you yearning about? Let's go to outward very quickly because I need to finish and maybe see if I gave you the same thing I put in my notes. How do you pray outwardly? Pray for your peers. Who are they? People you do life with. People you work with, live with, run around with. Have you prayed for them lately? Because here's what I know. Everybody, everybody's got something they're dealing with. Pray for them. Relationships. Are you in good and right relationships? Is there a relationship you need to develop? Is there a relationship you need to ease off on? Activities. We've talked about busy, busy, busy. We're into everything. And we say yes to a lot of things, which leads me to the last one. You're yes. If it's an outward prayer, should I be doing this? Should I not be doing this? So your peers, your relationships, your activities, and your yes. Let me close by saying this. Paul wanted to come and see the saints in Rome. For the sake of the gospel. And as I've already told you, it was to encourage the church to reap a harvest. You know what it means to reap a harvest when a preacher says that? That means to win people to Jesus. And so if you've still got your little piece of paper, when I told you I was closing, some of y'all started shifting. We're not finished just yet. If you still got that thing on which you can write something, this is what I want you to do. I want you to write down a prayer concern for your life. There's something that you're burdened about, frightened about, unsure about. Now, nobody's looking. You can put your hand over it if you need to, but just what is it? Maybe you just write down a letter and you know what that means. Nobody else has to, but, but in just a minute, I want us to go to the Lord with that. Now, this is what I want you to do now. I want you to look to your right and your left. Now, you may not know the person to your right or your left, and that's fine. But guess what? Anytime a group of about two people gather, the other person's carrying something you don't know about. A burden, a sorrow, a fear. If you know that person, just jot down their name. If you don't know that person, write down the color of their shirt. God knows who they are. Because this is what I know. In a group this size... There are tremendous burdens, concerns, and fears. And in just a second, we're going to pray. Before you put that up, I got you one more thing. I want you in about 20 seconds to ask the Lord to give you the name of a person. Paul says, I want to come to you so I can have a harvest among you. What does that mean? He wants to win people to Christ. You know what we need to see here at Gillum is a harvest for Christ. There's people in our sphere that need Jesus. Some of them are our relatives. Some of them are our co-workers. Some of them are in class with us. Some of them are on a team with us. Some of them, we work, whoever it is. I'm just going to, because this is what we can, we can trust the Holy Spirit. Ask him, give me a name. Give me a face. And I literally want you to write that down on whatever you're taking notes on. And I want us to spend just a couple of minutes in prayer. Would you bow your heads?
Now with our heads bowed, I want you to hear me closely. Today, if you need to be saved, you can be saved by placing your faith and your trust in Christ today. If you're carrying a burden, a fear, a concern, some confusion, some doubt about which way to go, what to do, how to respond, we're going to bring that to the Lord. And then we're going to pray for others who need to be saved. Those names that you've jotted down. 